We are so excited to announce a new school being run by the NEST called Remnant Rising, targeting and equipping and training our next generation, our youth. We take pleasure in introducing you to the principal, who you already know well from these Origin Gate podcasts, Rick Nevenhase, and assisting him is Elijah Ward, who is also no stranger to you. Rick's heart is to challenge and encourage others on how to become sons of Yahweh. He shares from his kingdom encounters that have taught him about the importance of being positioned correctly as a son, how to govern as a son, journeying with faith and untangling from the religious spirit. Elijah Ward is a businessman, author, and pastor based out of the gates of Zion in Mobile, Alabama, USA. His passion is for stewarding an atmosphere of intimacy with Yahweh in his marriage and with his family for the sake of all future generations. Their hearts are to inspire and encourage our youth to step into the fullness of who they are as sons, searching out Yahweh's mysteries and releasing his kingdom into all creation. All creation is eagerly awaiting their revealing. They were born for such a time as this. Some of the topics covered will be on identity, being positioned as sons, governing as sons, walking with faith, walking with purity, which is so important for our youth these days, and walking in dominion. Online teachings will take place every Tuesday and Friday and will be approximately 30 minutes long. Each session is recorded and can be viewed at any time. For this year only, there's a $200 reduction in fees. You only have a small window to take advantage of this special as registrations close on 31st of August 2020. The online classes commence in the first week of September 2020. Please do visit the website for more information. www.thefoundationnest.com We look so forward to welcoming the youth to the nest. Welcome to Origin Gates Daily Podcast with Wisdom's Echoes. I am Lindy Masters and this is my insight of the day. Today I'm going to speak about the Symphony of Silence. I've touched on this in the last podcast I did about the depth of prayer, the depth of silence, how we need to intertwine our thoughts with his thoughts and intertwine our hearts with his hearts, turning our attention into him, taking our lead from him, which is be still and know. Be still and know what? That I am God. And I spoke at length about how to turn my attention and my thoughts into him and to intertwine myself, my thoughts and my emotions with him because he knows what I have need of. And that prayer can be silent. It doesn't have to even have formulated words. There is a place for words where we can shout and talk and we can speak, but prayer necessarily doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be talking, but it can be silent. Actually, the goal here, and this is a thing people ask for all the time, the goal for me here is how do we come into divine union with Yahweh? People want to be in divine union, and a lot of the mystics of old spoke about the divine union. And I find that this is one of the ways of getting into divine union. Now, I come from a very loud family. When I left home, my mom said, and I have twin, young, younger twin brothers. When I left home, my mom said that, 
I, the house got really quiet when I left. And I went, Mom, really? I have twin brothers. How on earth did the house get quiet? She said, oh, yes, it did. I was just really loud as a kid. I think I'm still a little bit loud. Um, and so I've never lived alone. I have always lived either at home or at Bible school or got married or had children. And then when, when the kids grew up, I had other people's children. So I've always had people with me. I love people. I love being around people. People empower me. And yet I've never lived alone. And I have been in uh, South Africa in lockdown um, for uh, f- about five months already. And f- suddenly I find myself living alone. Now, I'm not alone on the property, but I am alone in my apartment. I've never had to be in this place of aloneness. And it's been a very interesting walk for me because I, I really, I keep saying to people, don't waste a good plague. And we have a plague at the moment. And family, listen, this is, a, this is not a bad thing. At least it's not Egypt where there were 10 plagues. We just have one. We're going to be okay. And so I'm sitting in the plague thinking, I'm not going to waste a good plague. So here I am alone. What am I going to do? And, and Yahweh said, you're going to learn what it sounds and looks like to be not alone, not lonely, but in silence, not filling up every waking moment with people, with talking, with TV, with your phone, with your iPad, with the internet, but learn how to be alone. When you go to bed and you switch off the light, there is no one there. When you're eating, you're alone. And this has been a very interesting journey for me. I had an encounter where somebody came into the room and just really nurtured me. And Yahweh said through this, I want you to know you're always nurtured. You're never alone. Isn't that great? So when we talk about silence, silence gives God a place to speak within us. I spoke before about when we have these awkward silences, we don't know what to do. We tend to fill them up with talking because we're, we're a bit confused or we, we feel uncomfortable. And there's a, we start talking and talking and talking and talking. That's not what we should be doing in the pause, the sila moment, the quiet. And, you know, all the way through scripture, it'll go sila, pause, stop, and think about this very calmly. Just think about it. Don't talk about it. Think about it, the sila moment. That Yahweh wants us to go, ah, and then just turn our attention into him and hear what he's saying. So when we have the silence, the sila moment, it gives God a space to speak within you. It gives God a space to speak within you. Do you know how many people say, I can't hear God. I don't know how to hear God's voice. I don't know. He doesn't speak to me. Well, here's the secret. When we have that silent moment where my attention is turned into him and I have my thoughts have become intertwined, intertwined, intertwined with his. That silence gives God a space to speak within me. Now, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set on you. Perfect peace is an unmovable point. You know, when I have perfect peace about a decision that Yahweh and I have made together, I never do it for him, I always do it with him. When I have perfect peace in that respect, it's an unmovable point for me. And this is the thing. If someone came to me and said, I want you to look at this and don't do what you were going to do, I, I would have to go, no, 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 I'm going to do this. Why? Because it's an unmovable point. This perfect peace on the inside of me is an unmovable movable point and when people go literally we're telling you you shouldn't do this we feel you know logic says we our counsel is and it's it's contrary to what the perfect peace is placed within my heart I still go I have perfect peace it's an un 
movable point. And you can come to perfect peace when you rest in that sila moment and you turn your attention into Yahweh. Intimacy is not grounded in noise. Intimacy is grounded in there's this comfortableness that comes between people. Uh, when I was married, I'm a widow now, but when I was married, there was, we would do worship around the world. And it was so interesting because when my husband would lead worship, I would sing. And there were times I just knew the next line of what he was going to sing. I just knew where he was going to go in the song. And we'd laugh afterwards. How did you do that? I don't know. The cardiognosis, the knowing of the heart, the, but it comes out of intimacy. And we would sometimes just sit together in quietness. Um, and I would be reading and he'd be doing his hobby and we wouldn't have to talk. Why? Because intimacy is not grounded in noise. It's grounded in knowing, uh, in, in silence, in just being together. So one can start with external noise. You can put on worship. You can do whatever you want to do. But you know what? It always has to come to that place of silence. To find that place within yourself, that is that sila moment where you turn your attention into Yahweh. And again, like I said, I'm not doing something for God. I'm doing something with him. When I'm doing something for him, then I'm not in union with him. When I do it with him, it flows from me and God and I do it together. And then the, the goal of that whole togetherness is union. When I do it with you, I'm in union, divine union. And a lot of people want to have divine union. And a lot of the saints spoke about divine union. And I think in the Constantinian church age that we find ourselves, you know, the father of Christianity, Constantine, when we find ourselves in this, this strange Christianity that we've developed that sometimes is slightly abiblical, but still work, thank the father for that. When we, we do this, I'm working for God. I do this, I do this for you. Thank you for what you do for the church we actually taking ourselves out of the place of divine union. We're putting ourselves into a works program of one who is not a son, but one who is a slave or a servant. And we know we're sons. And, you know, my son lives in my home and I live in an apartment on the same property. And he'll come and say, oh, look what I did in the house. And he'll have painted it or he'll have put something in it or we've changed something. I don't go, oh, you didn't ask me. He's a son. He doesn't have to ask me. My, I trust my son. He loves our stuff. He'll look after it and he'll change it and he'll put a, a, a like a bold color up. And I'm going, whoo, I would never have thought of that color. And I think, wow, that looks amazing. He never asks my permission. He does it. Why? Because he's a son. If he had to come say, mom, would you mind? Could I please? Do you mind? Do you like this color? Do you like that color? He's immediately not acting like a son. He's acting like a slave or a servant. And he's a son. And it's the same with the way we work with the father. He wants you to co-labor with him. He wants you to walk in divine union with him. The things I do, I do with him, not for him. And that brings me into divine union. So there is a place for shouting, for singing, for clapping, all of which brings us into this place of what? Divine union, where we sit quietly and go, ah, that sila moment. And then we can start praying prophetically. Now, when you pray prophetically, it transmutes your future into your present. Let me tell you what that means. Transmuting means to take it and change it. I don't want to die for the fulfillment of stuff that's written on my scroll of my life. I want to now press into the the olam, the, the future, take out of my scroll that which Yahweh has for me, bring it into my present and begin to transmute my present, change my present. And that comes out of divine union where I work with my father to do this. And, and prayer in itself is alchemy. I love the word alchemy. Alchemy is this, I, I, I looked it up, alchemy, the transmutation of matter to change something. That's what alchemy is, to take something from one thing to make it another. 
Another one that they said was uh, alchemy was the magical process of transformation, the magical process of creation or the magical process of combination of both. It's also the ancient art. uh, The ancient art of alchemy was the search for spirit in matter. And that then frees yourself from your fears, your limiting belief systems, and your lack of self-acceptance. I love that. Prayer is alchemy. Breath is alchemy. Prayer is alchemy. It transmutes. It changes your body. And if you're doing prophetic prayer, it'll change your present by bringing your future into your present and changing it. If you look at the scripture that says that we can call those things which be not as though they are, that is alchemy. Shifting matter and changing it, transmutation of matter, changing from one thing to another thing. So, we, you know, we had um, Smith Wigglesworth who put a shoe on a stump of a guy's leg and, and the leg grew out into the shoe. What did he do? The prayer that he prayed was alchemy. The alchemy of prayer transmuted that leg from a stump to a full leg and made it grow out. Now, we come to this place in divine union where we can begin to press into our future to change our present through ourselves being intertwined with his thoughts. He wants these things for me. And, and, you know, I talk about money because often money is the thing. You know, my father-in-law, when we got engaged, he said, my future father-in-law at the time, he said, I just want you to know when money trouble walks in the front door, love walks out the back door. And I went, oh, Lordy. Um, But, you know, it wasn't altogether wrong because sometimes financial pressure can cause immense trouble in the relationship because it's just difficult. And we all have times of difficult, you know, money issues. And even at this time where we're in the world at the moment of perhaps being in lockdown or businesses have been shut or money and income has been lost, this is a time not to panic, not to run around trying to make a buck on the side, trying to find a way to make money, but to turn my attention into my father because I work with him into divine union and find my sila moment. And as I sit in that place of my attention is in your attention. My heart is into your heart. I become intertwined with your thoughts that you have for me. And then I bring myself to a place of pausing, sila, calmly thinking about who you are. And it gives God a space to speak within me. And then he goes, you know what? I knew this was coming. This wasn't a surprise to me. I knew the financial thing was coming. Let me show you ways to change your life financially. Let me show you what to do to bring yourself into financial freedom. Let me provide supernaturally for you. He knows what we're going to ask for before we ask. And that has always been such a joy for me. And as a widow, sometimes it's been a little tough because I've had to provide for my family in South Africa and I live in the United Kingdom and I've had to provide for the home that I have there. And you know, the scripture says, I will never leave my righteous forsaken or my seed begging for bread. And true religion is this to look after the widow, the orphan and the foreigner. So what I did was I began to look after orphans and I began to look after widows and I began to look after foreigners. And you know what Yahweh did? He said, because you've turned your attention into that and you trusted me with that, I will turn my attention into you and you will never lack. And I have never lacked. It's been wonderful to see as I'm aligned rightly with those I walk with and I'm aligned aligned rightly with the Father that in that place, he always provides supernaturally for me and for my family and for those that are around me. You know that the scripture says, if you give to the poor, you lend to God. 
Did you know that you could lend God things? You could lend to God. And so I've lent a lot. I have lent a lot to God. And it says, and then he will give back as you have given. I've given well. He's given back well. I do not give stingily. I give well. And he gives back well. And that is just such a joy, such an encouragement, such a, this is a great life. This is the, we're living our best life, even in the middle of a pandemic. And I always say, don't waste a good pandemic. Don't waste a good plague. Use this to reinvent yourself. Use this to launch another company. Use this to to turn who you are into something that is new, that is different. Where Yahweh is, you know, this is the thing I said earlier. Yahweh, when he when we have that place of silence, it gives him a space to speak. In that place to speak, I come into perfect peace because I'm seated in my my seat of rest in Him because I know He's got this. And then because He won't let the righteous be forsaken, He won't. If He does, then He's a liar, and we know He's not a liar. And then it brings us to a place of what perfect peace and that becomes an unmovable point in our place of divine union of symphony of silence your screaming yelling bawling and squalling in heaven and calling down the things of heaven must always be birthed out of a place of intimacy of that symphony of silence where i've had that sealer moment and i've turned my attention into Yahweh. So today I want to encourage you to find that unmovable place, that unmovable spot in Yahweh, that place where perfect peace brings you to an unmovable point. Don't turn to the left or to the right and then begin to speak out that which Yahweh has spoken to you. Work with him in divine union. Thank you for listening.